test. All right, we are on. Amen. Luke chapter 11, appreciate you, Pastor. Uh, heard of him for a while, got to meet him about maybe not quite a month ago. We had him up and had him, well, we met at, uh, where did we meet first? Brother Doug's, that's right. So a couple months ago, had him up to preach at our youth service last month, did a tremendous job. And uh, we appreciate Brother Nick and what God's doing in his life and what God's doing here at the church. And then known Brother Stafford for several years and glad you men are here tonight. We appreciate you. I want to give you a thought tonight, and I'll be right honest with you. I feel very inadequate preaching on prayer. When it comes to prayer, I believe it. I've practiced it for the 32 years that I've been saved. But I don't feel like I'm where I ought to be as far as prayer. And I'm challenged every time I look in the Scripture concerning prayer. So I want to look at a couple verses here tonight in Luke chapter 11 and we'll see what the Lord has for us. And if we get any help this evening, it's going to come from the Lord and it's going to come from His Word. The Apostle Paul told us plainly that it was the power of God unto salvation. So that's where the power is at tonight. And we just want to see what God has for us. Luke chapter 11, we'll read the first uh, four verses here in this chapter. In verse number 1, the Bible said, It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer, please. Father, we again want to thank you tonight for the privilege of being in your house in this place. And I thank you for these men, Lord, that have come tonight hungry for the Word of God. And I pray that you would empower us this evening. Lord, there's nothing in us that can do what needs to be done, but there's everything in you that can. Lord, I pray you'd challenge our hearts tonight as we live in the days of not only a prayerless society, but for a big portion, a prayerless church. And God, help us in these days to see the value of prayer and change our lives through your precious Word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to notice in verse 1, this is where my thought's going to come from, and we'll look at all four of these verses tonight. But as this disciple begins to speak to Jesus about prayer, and of course some people call this the Lord's Prayer. If you do, that's fine. I believe the Lord's Prayer is really John 17. I think this is more of a pattern for prayer, and we see it in a couple of the Gospels. But here we find the Bible tells us that when this one disciple came to him, he said, Lord, teach us to pray. So with that thought tonight, I want to look at a simple thought here of just the school of prayer. The school of prayer. I think uh, being saved and reading the Bible, we're always in school. Uh, sometimes people would use the terminology of Bible scholar. I don't think there is a Bible scholar. I think we're all Bible students. There, there's nobody that knows it all. Uh, we strive to get as much as we can and walk with the Lord as close as we can, but we'll never get it all till we get to heaven because we're flesh and we're human. But I'm glad tonight we can learn some things out of the Word of God. Every time we open it up, the Lord has a word for us. And tonight I want to look at about four things in these four verses concerning the school of prayer and maybe that the Lord would just challenge us once again to be faithful in prayer. 
I know a lot of times when you're praying, you can get discouraged. If you're like me, when I get ready to pray, get down to pray, 10,000 things run through my mind. Things I haven't even thought of that day that need to be done or this, that, and the other. Satan hates prayer. He'll do everything he can to keep you and I from praying. We live in such a busy society now in this day that often prayer is overlooked. But we find the importance of it every time we turn back to the Scripture. Now notice with me four things I want to mention here tonight in our text about the school of prayer. The first thing I notice here is the request that is given here. The Bible said it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So we find here tonight a request. Here's an individual that is requesting of the Lord that he teach him or teach them how to pray. And I'm thankful for everybody that has a desire to get something from the Lord. Not everybody has that desire, but thank God for everybody that does. And when you see that, it's encouraging. And I want my life to be filled with desire to get from the Lord what I stand in need of. Notice two things about this request in verse 1. I see the person here. I thought this was interesting. be honest with you, I've read this many times and really had never seen this until I was studying this morning. And I saw this here. He said, one of his disciples said unto him, We have record of only one of the disciples making a request for the Lord to teach them about prayer. Now you would think all the disciples would make that request and maybe they would have from one time or another. But in this text, the Bible specifically tells us there is one individual that has a desire to make a request to Christ concerning prayer. You know what that lets me know tonight? That lets me know you don't have to have a big crowd to have prayer. You don't have to have the house packed to have prayer. You don't have to have everybody in your church praying at one time. Now, that would be great. I wish it was that way in our church. It's not that way in our church. I don't know if it's that way in yours. Uh, I'm like one preacher said, we are in 100% agreement down at our church. 20% do all the labor. The other 80% agree to let them. Amen. And that's about the way it is in the day we're living. But here you find one man, one disciple that had a burden for prayer. And you know that encourages me to If you and I could just get a burden for prayer, if one young person could get a burden for prayer, one individual in the church would get that burden to cry out unto God and say, Lord, teach me how to pray. What a difference it would make. So you find the person here, this one individual, then I find the, the pattern that's mentioned here. Really, it's a twofold pattern. We find, first of all, they, they're here in Christ is praying. The Bible tells us as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, the request came. But then notice this. We find here that he said, this individual, this disciple, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So that lets me know this individual had a pattern in his life. He had someone in his life, John the Baptist, what a great prayer warrior he must have been and what a great leader he must have been. And as Jesus came on the scene, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And John turned his disciples to Christ. Amen. Said, I'm not worthy to even unlace his shoes. He said, You follow him. And they did. John said, I must decrease as he increases. So you find here the pattern was in the life of this disciple. And I thought about this. All of us tonight have somebody in our life that we can look at as a pattern of prayer. I had a pastor that was a praying man. If there was ever an individual that that wept on his knees before God, it was my pastor.
pastor. He's been in heaven now about 15 years and what a great influence he was in my life. Prayed for me before I ever got saved. Preached to me the night I got saved and, and I'm thankful for that. I've had others in my life that have been a pattern. But here, this individual saw John as a pattern in his life. You know, I thought about this today. I, I want to be a pattern for somebody to pray. I want my life to be a life that someone else can look at and say, that's what I want. Not because of me, but because of Christ in me. So not only do we think of patterns tonight of those that are prayers and prayer warriors and went on before us or maybe still alive today, but then also this challenges us tonight to request of the Lord that He help us to be that prayer warrior, that He help us to be that individual that would live their life with prayer on our heart. And the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Now, we know we can't be on our knees 24-7. We know we can't be in the prayer closet every day. You've got to get out and go to work and live life. But that praying without ceasing is a continuation of a spirit of prayerfulness and, and pray as much as we can. So there's a request here. And I think what the Scripture tells us we have not because we ask not. And often my life is short somewhere as far as the spiritual realm because I'm not requesting. I'm not asking the Lord. I'm, I'm taking it for granted until something goes wrong. And then I say, oh Lord, here I am, come help me. And that's not the way to do it. I want to be requesting of Christ that He works in my heart concerning prayer. I want to get up every day like the Apostle Paul. The Bible said Paul said, I die daily. And he was talking about dying out to self. You can't do that without prayer. It takes prayer to get self on the altar and out of the way. And if we'll request the Lord to teach us how to pray, I believe He'll honor that. He'll teach us how to pray. Then notice something else here tonight as we look at the school of prayer. Not only the request, that shows the burden, the heart, the desire of this individual to connect with Christ in prayer. But we find the reach here. I want you to notice what Jesus teaches us here that will happen when we pray and when we follow Him and when we dedicate our life to prayer. Notice three things about the reach found in verse number 2. I find the pleading that is shown here. And He said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven. What is He talking about here? He's talking about when we pray, we plead. We don't just pray to the air. We don't just pray to the sky. We're going before the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We're going before the God of Heaven. And we're pleading with God to move and to intercede and to do for us what we cannot do. Don't ever forget when you bow your head in prayer, we're praying to the highest authority that there ever has been or ever will be. We're not praying to men. We're not praying to some government. We're not praying to some earthly entity, but we're praying to the God of heaven that is able to rend the heavens and open the heavens and pour out on us what we stand in need of. I think about this. When we plead with God, our pleading in prayer never has an end. We can never go too far. We can never pray too much. We can never ask too much as long as we're asking in the will of God. James tells us that often our prayers amiss because we don't ask in the will of God. We ask amiss. And we ask for things to consume upon our own lust and our own flesh. But when we plead with God in, his, in our spirit to Him and in the Word of God and in the will of God, we can, we can understand tonight that we're talking with the God of heaven. Oh, that ought to thrill our soul. 
I mean, that ought to do something for us. Isn't it amazing? I could go tonight to the White House and I wouldn't get anywhere close to the president. Don't know that I'd want to be, just to be honest with you. I try to pray for him, but I'm telling you, I struggle with that a little bit and you probably do too. But I couldn't get close to the president. I couldn't even get in the gate of the property of the White House without them stopping me. I could beg and plead and tell them who I am and they'd say, who are you? You're a nobody. And they'd be right. I couldn't get to the president tonight. I probably couldn't get to a lot of leaders in this uh, country or in this world. But there is one I can get to tonight. No matter what time of day it is, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter where I'm at, I can find a place to pray. And in a moment, in a split second, I am in touch with the God of the universe, the creator of this world, amen? The one that's coming back, the one that's going to set up his kingdom on earth and rule and reign with a rod of iron, the one that's going to take us into New Jerusalem one of these days where we'll live for eternity. That is the God we're pleading with tonight. Oh, that excites my soul. When we pray to God, we're talking uh, to the greatest there is and the most high authority. And notice not only the pleading here in verse 2, where he tells us to pray and to say, Our Father which art in heaven. But notice the place. When you think about the person, where is the person of God? He's in the place called heaven. He said, Our Father which art in heaven. Again, when we pray tonight, our reach is not hindered and it's not shored and it doesn't come up lacking because we're praying to the God of heaven. The place is heaven itself. The person is God himself. And you know, we can request some things down here through the channels of the law and one thing and another. We may get some, something done in our county. We may get something done in our state. And if it goes real well, we might get something done in our nation Hardly ever would you get something done around the world as far as through uh, humanity and the channels of men. But the Bible lets us know when we are touching God in prayer, we are touching a place called heaven. Amen. And all that heaven holds uh, can be there for us through the will of God when we pray. What do you need tonight? What are you lacking tonight? Can heaven not supply it? Can God not supply? What's what's sufficient or insufficient in your life? Can God not make it up? Sure He can. He goes on in this chapter and talks about if our earthly fathers bless us with earthly things, how much more will our heavenly Father bless us if we come to Him in prayer? So it's never ending. The place of heaven is where we reach. We just don't reach down here. We just don't reach a limited distance, but we reach all the way up into heaven, to the realms of heaven, because we're praying to the God of heaven. And what a blessing that is. Our our prayers are not hindered by space or time or mileage or anything like that. When we pray, we immediately come in contact with God and His places in heaven that I notice not only this pleading here, this place, uh, but I also notice something here about respecting God that he tells us here as we give this petition. He said, hallowed be thy name. Notice what he said, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. You know what that lets me know this evening? It lets me know when we, when, we come to he- when we come to God and we come to Him in prayer and we, we try to ring the prayer bells of heaven, we want to have that respect to God. We want, we want to be in the right position. That's what I want to say. Our position is not coming flippantly. Uh, our society makes such light of prayer. And I know we don't have to be starchy and staunch and 
I like what one preacher said, Brother Mays Jackson, I think, said years ago. He said if Peter had been the average Baptist when he tried to walk on water and pray the average Baptist prayer, he would have said, Our Heavenly Father, it would have been over for him. He just cried out and said, Lord, save me. And I know there's a lot of times that's about all you'll get out. There'll be some days in your life, if it's never happened yet, hang on, it's coming, but I'm sure it's probably happened. There'll be some days in your life, there'll be some times in this Christian walk that you won't have the words to pray. You won't be able to say much of anything. Just find yourself groaning somewhere, begging God to do something. But I'm glad when we come to Him with respect, we get the attention of God. And this world often just laughs at prayer and sadly sometimes church people make light of prayer. Oh, but it's something we ought to come to with a reverence in our heart in a position of lowly. When I come to God, it's not that He needs me, it's that I need Him. When I come to God, it's not that I'm giving Him something, it's that He gives me something. I'm the lesser. He's the greater. I want to approach Him reverently. I want to approach Him with nothing else on my mind. I want to approach Him with with a heart that's tuned in to what He has for me. So you see our reach tonight. It's really untelling where the reach of prayer can go. We've all heard, heard the testimonies and stories before. I remember a preacher hearing years ago, and you may have heard this, as a well-known preacher. And uh, he was talking about when he and his brother were overseas, I think in maybe during the time of the Vietnam War and how uh, some things had to happen. One of his commanding officers told him, said, I want you to go do something. He said, can I wait till such and such time? And he said, why? He said, why that time? He said, because I've got a mom at home. And he said, every morning she prays at this time. And he said, if I can go with my mama praying, I know I'll make it through. I'm telling you, the, the reach of prayer is not limited tonight. Have you any mountains that you need to cross? Have you any rivers that you can't get across? Have you any valleys that you can't ford? I'm telling you, you can't do it and I can't do it. But prayer can do it tonight. It's the God that we're praying to that is able to do it. I thought about a situation in our church just this morning, preacher. I got a situation on my heart, nothing major, but you know how it is, pastor, and you're always just concerned about people and certain things, and there's a little tiny situation in our church that could become big if, if God doesn't do something. And I was thinking today, I, I, I feel like a fix-it person. I don't know how y'all are, you other pastors, but if something's wrong in the church, I feel like it's all my responsibility, and it's my fault, and I got to fix it. And listen, it's God's church tonight. It's His work. But I'll tell you what, I can't do anything about that situation there's God in heaven that can I can't fix it there's not any words I can say to fix it there's nothing I can do to fix it but there's a God in heaven that can fix it and I've been in this thing long enough maybe not as long as some but I've been pastor now about 18 years and been saved 32 years and I've been in this thing long enough to know that when God fixes it it'll be right there's been times I've tried to fix things and I made a bigger mess than when I started There's some things you have to do, and God lets you know when it's time to do it. But there's so many things that if we would just go on our knees to prayer before God, oh, what a difference it would make. I heard Brother Jack Shook preach this probably 20 years ago, and he said this. He said, preachers, he said, if you'll spend time in Gethsemane, your prayer closet, like Jesus did, he said, you won't have as much trouble fighting the battles out in the open. He said, if you'll do your battling in the prayer closet, boy, how that convicted me. He said, God will take care of a lot of things in the open you won't have to deal with. You know, that's where the battle was with Christ. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane when He prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. And then He set His face as a flint to the cross because there in the garden He got in touch with the Father. Oh, I'm telling you, the reach of prayer is just unlimited tonight. 
Notice the third thing in our text here that Jesus is teaching us about the school of prayer. We see uh, the reason in verse number 3, verse 2 and 3 really. We may ask why. Why should I pray? I know nobody probably asked that out loud. But in our mind, maybe we think, why pray? Sometimes the devil and the flesh will say there's no need to pray. It's not going to change. I don't know about you, but I've had him a lot of times get on my shoulder, say, you're wasting your time praying for old so-and-so. They hadn't changed in 20 years. They're not going to change. You're wasting your time with this over here. Preacher, I was in a meeting two weeks ago in South Carolina. Great preacher, good preacher friend of mine. And there was a young man that last morning service. There was a young man about 30, and he got... Can't believe I'd ever say a young man 30, but I'm 50 now, so I'm feeling it. But a young man about 30 years old, and he jumped up and ran to the altar. And I could just tell by his appearance he was broken and he didn't look like a Christian. I thought, man, this fellow's getting saved. This fellow's getting born again. And I watched the pastor and his wife just take off to the altar. And I knew something was going on. They were weeping. They were crying. She took a shout and fit after that. And when everything calmed down, uh, she began to testify what had happened. This pastor had been in his church now about 25 years, brother. And probably 15 years ago, that man, which was a young teenager then, was called to preach. And he did good for a year or two. And he got hooked up with the wrong young girl. And he got out of the ministry. And he got messed up. And one of his children... Children by uh, out of wedlock and died, and the pastor had to preach a funeral a few years uh, before this happened. This past couple weeks, and that man got right with God, and that man confessed and apologized to the church. And the pastor's wife, she said, so many times, she said, I thought about, don't pray for him; it's too late. Don't don't send him any more messages. He won't listen. I'm telling you, there's a reason why we pray tonight. We pray because God tells us, but we pray because it works. It's effectual. The, the effectual, fervent prayer, prayer of a righteous man, the Bible said, availeth much. See, the problem is a lot of times we don't see it, so we get discouraged. I like seeing things. I like results. That's the way I'm geared. And if I don't see results, a lot of times I say, well, it's not working. I have no idea what God's doing behind the scenes. Just keep on praying. Just stay in your prayer altar. Stay on your knees, and God will use it. Let's notice two things in our text here about the reason of prayer that Jesus teaches us. Number one here we see is return. As He begins to teach us how to pray, He said, Hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come. I tell you what, we'll all be praying tonight for Christ to come. I'm the older I get, the closer we're getting, and the more I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know every problem in our life tonight? Every problem in our churches, every problem in our nation tonight could be fixed by one event. And that is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, all this behind us, all this over with, we ought to be praying tonight for the coming of the Lord. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. What about people that are lost? I know we ought to be burdened for them. I know we ought to pray for them. But the longer this thing goes on, the more lost people are going to be. We ought to be preaching and praying and trying to win them. But pray for the coming of Christ. Pray for Jesus to step out on those clouds and call the church out of here. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That, that ought to be the top of our prayer list every day. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Be ready to meet Him and pray for His coming. Jesus tells us that here. There's the return that ought to be on our mind. But then there's His route that ought to be on our mind. His way. He said, Thy kingdom come. But He said this. He said, Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. 
Say, what, what, all, what should we pray? We ought to pray what's in the will of God. You say, now wait a minute, how do I know it's in the will of God? Well, I'm going to help you tonight. You know this, but I'm just going to reiterate it. What is in the will of God will be found in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. If it's not in the Word of God, rightly divided, let me throw that out there. It's not a verse taken out of context. That's how cults and false religions come about. Uh, there's a lot of folks who have taken a King James Bible and made heresy out of it. But in the right context, the right way, the way God pinned it down, the Word of God will always reveal the will of God. Getting the will of God's not sitting around sometime looking to heaven with a blank stare on your face. Oh, God, just put it in my mind. That's not how you get the will of God. You say, preacher, I don't know how to get the will of God in my life. Get in the Word of God. Do what you know is right. Stay in the Word of God. And you'll run smack dab into the will of God. I'll promise you that. It's not some mystical thing out there, the will of God. It's not some spooky thing that only a handful of Christians or just preachers or just deacons can get a hold of. No. The will of God is for every Christian. And the pathway to the will of God is by the Word of God. The more we read His Word, the more we let it sink down in our hearts and meditate on it, the closer we'll get to the will of God. And He says it here. He said, Thy will be done. We ought to pray that every day. Thy will be done in my personal life, Lord. Thy will be done in the, in the life of my wife and my children and my grandchildren. Thy will be done in my church. Thy will be done in my county. Thy will be done in my state. Thy will be done in this nation. We ought to be praying the will of God when we pray. You see the reason there, the reason of praying His return, His route, His will. But then I want you to notice this, and I'll finish up this thought tonight on the school of prayer. We've looked at the request. Thank God for this one disciple that kicked this classroom off. (laughs) One disciple that said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And it began the teaching session that the Lord gave us here. We see not only the request, the reach, that we see we're praying to heaven, uh, the God of heaven, our heavenly Father. We, we see the reach, we see the reason, His return, His will, uh, to pray the will of God, to see God's will done in our life and in our society. But then I want you to notice tonight the resources when we pray. Somebody said this one time, I don't know who it was, but they said prayer is probably the least exercised resource that the church has And I think that's true. I think about uh, in Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 12, when Peter was put in prison. I was reading that not long ago. And how the church prayed. And the church begged God. And what did God do? He sent an angel in right at the moment where Peter was going to be the next one to get his head chopped off. And God delivered him out miraculously, opened those gates. Peter showed up. And we're a lot like that church there that was in the house. Knocked on the door. Rhoda came to the door and went back and told them. And they said, you're crazy. Amen. I heard a preacher preach one time, Rhoda was right, amen. She was, she was right. And aren't we that way? Sometimes we'll pray and pray and pray and then we'll hear something say, do what? It's like we don't believe. It's like we don't have faith. James said that double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And if we don't pray in faith, we can't expect an answer. So we need to understand the resources of prayer. And this is just a little bit of it tonight. This is in our text. Notice four things here and I'll be done in these verses. Notice the provision here. You find the provision in verse number 3. You find the provision. Notice what he said. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now he didn't say pray for a month's worth of daily bread. I know that's how we like it. I mean, I've got some stuff. Listen, I I spent five years in the Marine Corps. I got a little prepper in me. Amen. I I got some bullets, beans, and band-aids. 
Not, not quite as much, but some of them probably more than I ought to. Amen. But I like to have a few things. I like to be ready. I've got a large family, and if something goes down, I want to be able to feed them. I want to be able to take care of them. I, want to be, I don't like being caught without the supplies I need. But you know what Jesus is teaching us right here in verse number 3? We ought to pray for daily bread. You know what that lets us know? That lets us know we have to get up every morning and trust Him for that day. That's the way God wants us to live. See, we're living in a credit card society and loan society, and most people don't understand what my grandparents and some of your grandparents grew up in. They grew up in times of the Depression. My grandpa was born in 1914. My other grandpa was born in 1907. They grew up in days of Depression when they had to pray for just about everything they had. I mean, they didn't have an Ingles on every corner. They didn't have a convenience store. They didn't have a credit card and an Amazon to order something off of. They had to cry out to God daily. And see, our generation doesn't understand that because we're so blessed to live in the nation we live in. But Jesus wants us to understand our provision comes from Him daily. And He wants us to get dependent upon Him daily. No matter how long you've done what you've done, don't ever get dependent on the flesh. No matter how long we've preached, no matter how long we've, we've led things in the work of the Lord or whatever it is, uh, walking with God, we should never get dependent upon our flesh. Every day we should say, Lord, here I am again. I'm an empty vessel and I need what you've got for me today, Lord. Because see, I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to face. I don't know what's going to come my way, but God does. He knows the end from the beginning. And I need Him to give me the provision that I need to make it through that day. I think about the prophet Elijah uh, there in one chapter in 1 Kings. He's calling fire down from heaven. Tremendous miracle. Slew those 450 prophets of Baal, those other prophets. I mean, wiped them out. And the very next chapter, he's crawled up under a juniper tree saying, Oh God, I'm ready to die. Heard one fellow say, one preacher said one time, he must not have been too ready to die. He is running away from Jezebel instead of toward her. Amen. I mean, he said, Lord, I'm ready to get out of here. What did God do for him? He sent him provision. He sent him an angel. He sent him a cake. He sent him a cruise of water. And the Bible tells us he went in that meat for 40 days to Mount Horeb. That's the same God we serve. And that provision is found when we get to him in prayer. Whatever you need, whatever I need, whatever comes up in our life, we find that at the hand of God. Every good gift and perfect gift cometh from the Father above. He is the great provider. We need to understand that. The resources of provision are when we trust the Lord daily and we pray. Not only our provision is mentioned here in verse 3, but you jump over in verse 4, we see our pardon that is mentioned. He said this, And forgive us our sins. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. We need to pray for provision every day. And we ought to pray, God, forgive us for our sin. Now, I'm not talking about getting saved again. He's the author of eternal salvation. That's a one-time thing. When you really get born again, it's forever and forever. And thank God for it. But that don't mean we quit praying. And that sure don't mean we quit sinning. I wish it was. Amen. I like what one fellow said one time. He said, well, as Christians, we're not sinless. But when we get saved, we ought to sin less. Amen. And that's the truth. There ought to be a change in our life. But what we need to do is we need to pray for forgiveness, for pardon. I want to get up every day and say, Lord, forgive me. Anything in my heart that's not right, anything I did yesterday, Lord, forgive me. I want to keep my sins on a short list. I don't want it to get built up and build up and get into my life. If I let my sin build up and build up and then I need to get a hold of the Lord immediately, I might not be able to do that because my prayers would be hindering my communication with Him. So he tells us here we ought to pray daily for provision and pray daily, Lord, forgive us our sins. 
And I love the order that the Scripture puts this in. I'm, I'm telling you, our Bible is an every word Bible. There's not a word that's out of place. There's not a filler word in this King James Bible. I'm telling you, it's perfect. In uh, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, When that which is perfect has come, that which is part is done away with. That knowledge and the gifts and the tongues, that's done away with because we got a complete Bible. Amen. I say hallelujah for it. Look how the order of this scripture is here. He said, And forgive us our sins. So he tells us here, Jesus tells us, First thing we do, deal with our sins. Now, here's how I'm bad to do this preacher I'm going to confess Uh, if somebody's hurt me or if somebody's doing something wrong I'm very bad to jump to them first in my prayer Lord you know so and so down at the church God I've tried I've preached to them I've talked to them and they won't listen Lord straighten them out fix them change this before I ever deal with my sin and that's the wrong way that's the wrong order According to the Word of God, we pray first of all, forgive us our sins. That's a pardon. And then second of all, he says, deal with the peace, getting peace. He said, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. You see, if we'll deal with our sin first, then when it comes time to deal with our brother or sister's sin, we'll be a whole lot more compassionate. We'll be a whole lot more sincere. Once I take a look at me just for a few seconds through the light of the Scripture in a time of prayer, I realize how rotten I am. I realize how sorry I am, preacher. And then when I get ready to pray for that one in the church that's upset me or got me mad, I know you other pastors don't get mad. Pray for me. Well, I get esteemed sometimes. I try not to ever let it come out in the pulpit. I try to get home and unload on my wife. No, I don't try not to do that. Sadly, I've done that a few times. That's not a good idea, men. Especially coming on cold weather, you'd be sleeping on the porch. Amen. But no, I'll carry it around sometimes. But I, inside of me, I'll just be, oh, I'll just be aggravated. And you know, if I'd have just went into the Lord in prayer, if I'd have just followed this pattern and got down on my knees and said, "Now, Lord, let's search my heart. Lord, forgive me my sin. Boy, I acted bad this week. I said something I shouldn't. I acted the way I should. Had a bad attitude toward my wife, or yelled at one of the kids, or something." If I'd have done that and then turned to pray for that brother or sister in the church, I suspect it would be different. Amen. So often I fail to to do this right here. But Jesus tells us if we'll deal with our own part and our own forgiveness, then we can have peace with our brother and sister in Christ as we pray for them. And then finally he tells us this, and I'll finish tonight. He mentions our passage here in verse number 4. We're to pray that pardon, forgive us for our sins. We're to pray for that peace between us and the other individual, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now notice the passage here. He's talking about the passage through life. He said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we pray, one of the great resources of prayer tonight is that God shows us the way through this life. I'm telling you, I wish I had time tonight, and you other preachers, both Kirk and Dahl, you other men, you could tell us story after story. But I wish I had time tonight just to tell you how many times God has lit up the right path through prayer. How many times that I didn't even know that I prayed that morning and that day God showed me something I needed to do or showed me something I didn't need to do. I'll tell you this and I'll be done tonight. Several years ago, my youngest son, he's 18 now, he was about four or five. We took him to uh, the doctor's office. It was kind of an open uh, place there where they had three or four patients they were dealing with. It was the orthodontist. That's what it was. And he had some issues when he was born with his mouth, one thing or another. So he had to go to a specialist. And I was sitting there, and there was a, a lady sitting beside me, probably about 10 years younger than me. She started talking to me, and I started getting uncomfortable. You men know what I'm talking about. And she started saying some things, so I immediately let her know I was a pastor and, and 
tried to go that route, you know, and let her know, you know, I believed in the Lord and walked with God and didn't want to go the way. So she starts changing her tune. She talks a little bit, made me uncomfortable, but she left. And uh, we finished what we were doing there. I was with my son, and we got up and we went back out. All right, so we went back out, and I was paying the bill, and she comes running in hectic around everybody and said, I, I can't find my cell phone. I can't find my cell phone. Did anybody, anybody see my cell phone? And she looked at me. Did you see my cell phone? I said, well, you, you had it in your hand in there. I remember that. But okay, so she storms back out. So I didn't think anything else about it. Finished paying the bill. I go out the door. I, I'm getting my son to the car. I see her. She's in her car. And I'm wanting to stay away from her because I already felt some bad vibes. Amen. So I want to stay away from her. I'm walking away. She said, sir, sir, sir. She had already talked to me about her and her husband having some issues. And I said, well, you need to, you need to find God's hand somewhere to let him talk to you and help you. She said, sir, sir, sir. She said, I can't find my cell phone. She said, will you call my number? I think it must be under a seat or fell out in the car. And I was thinking about getting my boy to the car. I reached in my pocket and the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking. If I'd have called, yes, sir. If I'd have called her number, can you imagine what kind of mess that would have been in my life? I had no bad intentions. I wanted away from her. God's honest truth, I wanted away from her. But I'm telling you, had I not prayed that day, had I not just said, Lord, guide me and lead me, what a mess my life could have been. And I could give you more examples, and I know you got examples. Praying will keep us from evil. Praying will pave the path to keep us from making a mess out of our life. And I'm telling you, it's happening all over the church world tonight. There's preachers falling. There, there's, there's faithful men of God and ladies and families that are just getting out of the will of God. And I really believe tonight, preacher, most of our problems, at least my problems, are a lack of prayer and praying the way God teaches us to pray. I hope tonight the Lord will just put these verses in our heart and help us learn some things from the school of prayer. Whatever you do, don't quit praying. Don't give up praying. Pray and talk to the Lord every day of your life. If it's just a moment or two, spend some time in prayer and stay in touch with the Lord and study the Scripture and see what God has to say about prayer. And if we'll do that, God will bless us tonight. He'll help us. He'll strengthen us. Amen. Let's bow our heads just a moment. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here this evening again for these men. I pray, Lord, something in the Scripture tonight has challenged us. I know it has my heart, and I pray, Lord, you'd forgive me and help me for my often prayerlessness and help me tonight, Lord, to pray as you would have us to pray. Uh, just, just do for us what only you can, I pray tonight. In Jesus' name, Pastor Pugh.